Do you love NFL football fun and booze? Join us at Thurston Gold Podcast every Saturday night for weekly NFL coverage, whiskey, bourbon, scotch, and beer reviews. We mix expert football analysis with signature drinks, original segments, and lots and lots of laughs. Yes, that's right, football fans. Please join us at Thurston Gold Podcast by heading over to thurstongold.buzzsprout.com or search Thurston Gold on the web. If you're tired of boring podcasts, come join our football party. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We drive all game long. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Welcome back in, football fans. I hope you are all keeping safe and well in these ever... Ever strange times, uh, very, very peculiar. I just sat and watched the Queen address the nation. That's how peculiar it is. So there you go. Sunday night viewing in the Queen's on the TV. Uh, but hopefully, like I say, in all seriousness, everyone is keeping safe and well. We're moving through uh, division by division preview. And for those of you keeping count, we only have one AFC conference left to look at. And that, of course, is the AFC West, um, and of course, that's where the reigning Super Bowl champions reside. So, we will talk Chiefs later on, but we're going to start off with a team that I think a few people are probably sleeping on a little bit. Had a strong end to the campaign in 2019, um, and potentially some excitement for 2020 with a young quarterback under center. I am, of course, talking about the Denver Broncos, and who better to tell us all things Broncos than the man that you'll know from the Five Yard Rush podcast. I'm, of course, talking about Stocks. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, mate, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. This is a bizarre concept, not opening the podcast, but coming on later on. So that's always nice. That I mean, strong entrance as well. I'm not, you know, all things Broncos. It's, it's a fair fair jump for me to take a whack at, but I'm, I'm more than happy to jump on and give you my best knowledge. I am sure you will do splendidly well, mate, splendidly well. If I classify myself as a Browns expert, mate, you're definitely a Broncos expert in my eyes, let's put it that way. <laughs> right, mate, let's get into it. I've just alluded to it there. For me, a team that not many people are talking about, that's probably a good thing in terms of you know, potentially slipping under the radar a little bit. Um, but are we sleeping on the Broncos, mate? What's your sort of overview, if you like, of the team heading into the 2020 season? And then we'll get into sort of what they've done in free agency and all that kind of stuff shortly. So I think I think people are sleeping on them, not maybe as much as a Broncos fan you would like to think they were sleeping on them, because obviously you want to be the team that has the the absolute surprise factor coming into the season. And I think if they shorten the off season and we see less training and stuff like that going into the season as a normal time, if, if from Corona it happens, I think that might help the Broncos sleep a little bit as well because people will see less of them. But the way they finished the season last year, you know, Drew Locke was, he balled out in the last four games. I think he, they won three, got absolutely trounced by the Chiefs, I think it was. But then they went on to win the Super Bowl, so no shame there. And I think also helping them be a sleeper team is the fact they are under the shadow of the Chiefs. And that team is unreal. We saw it in the Super Bowl. Even though they weren't playing their best when they needed to, they turned up and they got the Lombardi. So I think it helps the Broncos sleeping a little bit being in the shadow of the Chiefs and then I think they've got a really really talented young core on offense that they uh, Drew Locke showed out as he did in Missouri and then you've got Cortland Sutton who really progressed when Locke came along because a big body receiver like Sutton needs someone with touch like Locke and 
yeah, Flacco can sling it down the field, but maybe accuracy was and, and deafness on the football was an issue for him. Whereas Drew Locke showed it at Missouri, the guy can pretty much put it as soft as you like it anywhere you want it. And Cortland Sutton thrives off of that with his size and to be able to box out defenders and stuff. And we saw it with a couple of catches in, oh, God, it eludes me now. But he, the catches he made in the end zone for two touchdowns in one game were frightening. And you think a bit of off-season practice together, hopefully, if they get that. <laughs> yeah, then, absolutely, yeah. You know, Noah fan again, Drew Locke, when he was at Missouri, you've only got to look back to when he used Albert O in 2018, I think his 13, 11 or 13 touchdowns from something stupid like nine games just shows you what a weapon of a tight end Drew Locke can use. And everybody said Noah Fant, the most athletic tight end in the class. And the way I think the Broncos are building their offense, they're going to use Fant more like a Kelsey because that's just the way tight ends are going now. You you can block, but I think being a weapon is maybe more important to, to me anyway. When I want to see a tight end, I want to see more attacking play than just blocking. And they, um, they've got several tight ends who are really good at blocking. So... If they're going to run a blocking play for the tight end, get not get Fant out there. But when Fant's on the field, he showed at the end of last season as well. He, he started to progress in my eyes. So I think if they, with Locke, Fant, and then you've got, and then we just signed Melvin Gordon, which we'll get onto in a little bit. I mean, what what is that all about in my eyes? I have absolutely no idea there. $16 million for a running back we just didn't need. The money could have gone, well, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but. You think we've got two really good cheap running backs, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant. We're going to draft the wide receiver. It just depends who's there at fifteen. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with that, mate. Like you say, you got a nice young nucleus there on offense, and like you say, the Gordon move questionable. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Philip Lindsay's had a couple of decent seasons, and like you say, a little bit surprising uh, for a guy that was essentially a bit of a victim almost of being in a crowded backfield goes to join another one and as you say you know it's not a not a cheap investment either to be fair at that kind of level of salary just in terms of Drew Locke I think you know like so for a number of people that you know possibly didn't catch the the back end of last season as you say he came in towards the back end and and certainly the results um, certainly did improve didn't they I think there was a lot of um, hope or hope at the start of the season in terms of Vic Fangio coming in I think most people thought that was a pretty good hire obviously took a little while for that to sort of settle down though didn't it but I think that move to Drew Lock absolutely, um, you know, proved to be, um, you know, quite a big difference maker at the back end. Let's talk then, mate, about some of these free agent moves. You mentioned Marvin Gordon, so obviously I, I, I take it you're not overly pleased with that move. Um, you, you, you talk of Melvin Gordon and you think of Melvin Gordon as not last year, for instance, because of his holdout and stuff, but the year before. And he's one of the best backs in the league. He can do everything, he can catch the ball. He runs straight through the tackle. He's got everything about him. And then obviously his holdout, he didn't go as way as he wanted. He didn't get the money. And Austin Eckler balled out. So that did not help his cause one tiny little bit. But we didn't need him. We weren't running back needy. You know, Philip Lindsay is one of the highest graded players on PFF for his position. Royce Freeman was, I think, one of the most prolific backs in his college division ever just got stuck behind Lindsay who happened to be undrafted and blew up. So I think to add Melvin Gordon and that $16 million to me, I would much rather have said to Chris Harris Jr. Look, we'll, even we'll just do you a one year deal. We'll give, we've signed Bouye. We'll keep Harris. We'll give you 16 million for the one year, almost franchise tagging is essentially without the tag and say, look, this, this is going to be, we, this is essentially a sort of win now season for us. Let's, let's get Harris and Bouye a 
pretty much like Ramsey and Bouye were over at the Jags. Let's get, you know, locked. Um, oh, what was the term they used in Denver? No fly zone. Let's get the no fly zone back. And then with Von Miller, a healthy Bradley Chubb. They've just added uh, Casey as well. That's a pretty scary defense. Oh, I yeah, forgot to yeah. mention Simmons, the safety who we franchise tagged. Yeah, I think I think the Casey moves one as well. That's probably gone a little bit under the radar. I think you know that's a, a good addition on the on the line. I think you know I agree with everything that you've said there. Chris Harris was a player that that I certainly you know if I, if I was a Broncos fan, similar to your assessment there, I would have rather spent the money in that direction, um, and it would have made a nice tandem, like, as you say, with AJ Boye as well. Um, Graham Glasgow brought in as well. Um, obviously, um, you know, depth is that depth move or is he coming in to start? Do you think? He's going to start. I think he's going to start. I think, you know, the top-rated offensive lineman on the market, it's a lot of money as well, $44 million contract. So I think that amount of money he's coming in to start, he's, he's not a depth piece. Yeah, fair dues. Fair dues indeed. Uh, this tour draft, then, mate, you've said that you think you're going wide receiver. Um, who who would you want to be there? I mean, we know the, obviously the, the two or three big ones. Um, you know, who do you want to be there if you had your choice? Let's just, for, for argument's sake, they're all on the board. Which one would you pick? Of of the guys there, I'm picking C.D. Lamb all day long. I think, you know, it's it's a coin toss between him and Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy is possibly the crispest route runner that's come out of the draft since the 2014 class. And I just think, I just think when you look at C.D. Lamb, he's got, from reports I've read and the drafting I've done on him, he's got the hunger and he looks like he'll go through you to win the ball. Whereas with Jerry Judy, yeah, he's good. But I think he's possibly at his ceiling. And I think his college ceiling could be his ceiling in the NFL, whereas I think Lamb can come into the NFL and his ceiling can increase becoming number one, whereas I think... But then I don't know... I think Lamb's the best receiver, but then do you go for someone like Ruggs or Jalen Regal who can take the top off a of defence and you've still got the big-body receiver in Cortland Sutton? So the good, I think the good thing about Broncos being at 15 is I think if Judy... I think if Judy or Lamb are there at 15, they get picked just because of the pedigree. But then I think if a couple of teams ahead of them go receiver, I think if one of the top four offensive linemen drops, I think there's a good chance we could take him. But then, you know, we, we've just signed a, a... Oh, what's his name? Hang on, bear with me. Javon... Oh, sorry. Uh, Jawan James. And uh, if, you, if you look at his stats, any year that is an even number, he plays really well. So just, <laughs> we just repaid him. So I think, you know, 2020, there's a good chance. And that, what we really need is a good centre. And there's a couple of good centres later on in the draft. I think if we can grab one of those, then I think offensive line, we can wait till round two. I mean, we've got three picks. Is it three picks? Yeah, three picks in round three as well. And that is a really... This class is so deep at so many positions. Yeah. I think... I mean, we need an in, in, inside defensive lineman as well. So if Javon Kinlaw's there at 15, do we take him and take a bit of depth at the wide receiver? And then cornerback is with Harris going, if one, uh, if uh, the chap out of Florida, Henderson, if, he, if he's there at 15, I, he probably won't be. I can, I can only see that the Lions trade back and, and take a Cuda anyway. But then if CJ Henderson is somehow there at 15, I think we nab him and then go receiver in the second and then offensive line and then possibly another receiver in the third. 
Yeah, I think like you say, you're in a nice position there in the draft, aren't you? That you could almost just sort of let the cards fall and, and sort of see how it, it sort of plays out to you. I don't think you're under any pressure to move up in the draft and then you're going to get a good player in a number of different positions of need by sticking at 15. Uh, and like you say, depending on how it goes elsewhere, and then, like you say, you could end up with, you know, one of the big um, sort of, you know, pieces, so to speak, in either the receiver room or that offensive line room. So, you know, potentially some good things happening there. Um, you know, obviously a lot of talk about teams moving up to, to sort of get quarterbacks. And that'll obviously be good for anybody picking in the sort of middle of the first round. And if we get a run on the quarterbacks, which we generally do. Um, so, yeah, so the Broncos sitting pretty good there. Let's talk a bit of fantasy football, mate. I'm delighted to say that Rob has joined us um, fresh from... Wrestling the little one to sleep. Rob, how are you this evening, my friend? Hello, boys. Sorry sorry about the delay there, gents, but uh, I am here with you. I've just uh, sort of uh, piggybacked off what you were discussing there about the draft. Um, how would you feel, Chris, about LaVisca Chenault coming to you in the second round there? Obviously, Colorado boy, uh, well, he's a, he's a Texas boy, but he's from the Colorado College, of course. Uh, electric wide receiver. They love him in Denver. He must be someone on the radar in, in round two, surely. So... My, I, if you've listened to our pod at all, you will know that Lavisca Shano is my absolute boy in this draft of of the receivers. Obviously, yeah. Judy Lamb, Rugs, they're all they're all elite. But I think 2018 saw Shano be up there with the receivers in college. And my only knock on him, and it, I had him on my first college fantasy team, which you know, toot toot my own horn. I did go on to win, and I think <laughs> that helped my fandom of him as well. But if you watch tape on him. He is yeah. unreal, and I think he is. I think it's his latest shoulder injury which stopped him participating in most of the draft mm. and made him run a terribly slow forty. I don't think he should have run it. I think he should have just said, "Look, I'm injured," and and watch my tape rather than run injured. I mean, I don't know what he's trying to prove apart from toughness, I and mean, that is a big part of his game. He is possibly the toughest receiver in the draft class. He just his injury history is a concern, but man, if he's yeah. there at two and we've taken a corner at 15 or, or maybe offensive line at 15 and he's there at two. Well, you'll be pleased to know that I am currently uh, in the, in the UK mock draft at the moment. I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter is going on at the moment. Um, and I, I am currently drafting for Denver and I have drafted, I, I'm pretty sure I've drafted CJ Henderson and LaVisca Chenault with the first two picks. So you'll be happy with that. I, I, I think. <laughs> Oh mate, I uh, yeah, I'm drafting for the Vikings in that. Funnily enough, so oh, are you really? Okay. Yeah, I in the original one, I drafted for the Broncos because they're my team, and I traded back in the first round four spots, uh, second round sorry four spots, and I wanted to take Shane out, but he went. And so I didn't get him in this. So you've done what I couldn't achieve, Rob. So thank you very much. It was, I can't, I think it was CJ um, Henson the first, but yeah, anyway, uh, go on Twitter, everyone who's listening to this, go on Twitter and find out what we're doing. There's a, a whole cast of us, 32 of us are doing a mock, a live mock draft. We did it last week uh, with our own team. So I was representing Indianapolis and Chris just said he was, he was uh, representing Denver, but we flipped it around this week. We're doing something different and we're representing each other's teams. And I've been picked Denver and like Chris said, he's on Vikings. So go on the Twitter, UK mock and UK fans mock draft I think it is on Twitter uh, go go give them a follow and, and check check it out yeah absolutely really good stuff going on like you say some welcome distraction and uh, like you say plenty of guys with plenty of knowledge um, you know great to see the NFL UK community coming together um, you know so really good couple of weeks in terms of that stuff let's turn our attention gents to fancy football let's hope we actually do get some product on the field come September um, and of course I, I can sit back and relax now with two fantasy experts to discuss this if we were going Denver Broncos boys where would we go um, 
Rob, let's start with you, buddy, and then uh, Stocks, I'll let you come back. I think Melvin Gordon is intriguing. I know you have spoken about Melvin Gordon. I, I, I didn't quite hear what you were saying about him. I think he's very intriguing. I think he's in a position now where... What do we get from Melvin Gordon? No one really knows, I don't think, what position he's going to be in. Obviously, he's got Philip Lindsay there. He's got Royce Freeman there. It's going to be interesting to see how they use that three-headed monster heading into week one. You'd assume that Melvin Gordon would be getting the majority of the carries. You'd also assume that Royce Freeman might be kicked to the curb a little bit. Um, but for me, it's all about the wide receivers. And like we've just discussed, LaVisca Chanel, if he comes in, he's going to be interesting. Whoever they, they've got to... They're in a very similar position to whether he, I think they've got to sign a wide receiver because you look at the depth chart, Cortland Sutton, Sean Hamilton, and there's not a lot of other talent there really. So there needs to be a wide receiver come in. So whoever comes in there will also be interesting. But uh, sorry, I'm going to take everyone's thunder here, but it's Noah Fant for me. Noah Fant uh, makes a massive, massive leap up in 2020. And I think he's going to be a really, really sought after tight end in a weird tight end market. What do you think, Chris? How dare you forget Tim Patrick, Rob? How dare you? <laughs> fodder. Fantasy fodder. That's what we called him. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, I think you hit most of the nails on the head. I, I think Melvin Gordon, all the running backs scare me a little bit because of recency bias will suggest people take Philip Lindsay too early now. There's three of them. I think he'll still be good, but he won't get enough production mm. to be value at where you draft him. And then I think the opposite could be said for Melvin Gordon. I think people will see the move as... Well, I said at the beginning, I said, I don't see why they did it. We didn't need him. And I think people will sort of see the poor season he had last year. And then they'll see the three running backs at Denver and they'll see Melvin Gordon as as a bit of a waste man, essentially, there. And, and maybe his value will actually be quite good where you can get him a bit later. And if you're plugging him in, it's just sort of flex, maybe running back two on bye weeks. Then I think maybe you'll get value with Melvin Gordon. I will try and stay away from Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, I mean, if the value's right, you know, you can never say no to anyone because mm. value will always be good at some point. It's just whether you can get that player at the value you see fit. And then I think you, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, Rob, but where, who do you think Cortland Sutton should be drafted amongst? Or like what round, where would you have Cortland Sutton pick? Great question. I, th I think the true answer to that is you have to wait until after the draft. You have to wait until after the real draft to see what the lineup is heading into sort of fantasy season. If, if for argument's sake, it remains very similar to what it is now and he's the clear number one, you, you've got to be looking, uh, you've got to be looking, what, sixth, seventh round? See, I, I would quite happily, if I've gone double running back early tight end, for instance, I wouldn't be, sh I wouldn't be horrified to have plug Sutton in as my sort of fifth round, even late yeah. fourth, fifth round. I wouldn't, ha I wouldn't hesitate to have him as my one because I think, <clears throat> for me, I think the Broncos are going to run two types of game this coming season. I think they yeah. are going to load the defense, hope the defense can stop people playing and run the ball because they've now mm -hmm. got three running backs and they're just going to pound it down your throat when they're up because the defense can shut you out or if they are behind, they're going to rely on their sort of gunslinging quarterback and, and big time receivers to get them out of trouble and no offense. And I think actually the Denver Broncos could be sneaky, bad picks for fantasy because week in week out, depending on game script, they might not be, they might not show up. You know, if, if they need, if they get behind early, mm. they might need just their wide receivers. So if you're playing their running backs, it's a no go. And then opposite, if, if they get up early, then the running back's going to do all the work in Cortland Sutton and whoever comes in, 
I just don't think they're going to get the volume. So I'm not sure they scare me. And it's a scary prospect being a Broncos fan talking about mm-hmm. in fantasy scaring me because I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I um I speak to do you know Brandon Marianne Lee? I speak to her quite a bit. She's a big uh, Denver fan, and we had this two and fro in last year with Philip Lindsay because I was completely off Philip Lindsay last year. She was completely on Philip Lindsay. Um, but yeah, certainly, I can certainly see what you're saying uh, about Cortland Sutton. I don't think I'd go as high as the fourth. I would con- question it at my fifth. It would scare me if he was my top boy wide receiver, though. I think uh, I. I the way I tend to draft, I tend to draft one of each. So I'd be very happy with him with my wide receiver two. I'd be very happy with him with grabbing him in the fifth or sixth. Um, we'll we'll, yeah, we'll compromise. Then, we'll compromise. <laughs> and I think also, you know, like you said, it or and Sean said, it depends how the draft goes. If they end up taking a corner or offensive line in the first two rounds, and then we're looking at depth—not depth—but I think if they miss out, I think there is a huge chance that if the Broncos miss out on receivers they want in the first and second. They go double receivers with two of their third picks. And we could see someone like a Jalen Rieger or a Denzel Mims yep. or even a Brandon Ayuk, someone like that. And I think I think they then could sort of deploy Cortland Sutton as, as the outside guy and then just move, or they could even move all three of them across the line all the time. And mm-hmm. I think it could be a case of too many mouths for fantasy for the NFL absolutely perfect because you can deploy all three at the same time, run loads of different schemes and no one knows what's happening, but for fantasy, that's an absolute minefield. Uh, completely agree. Completely agree. Over to you, Sean. It <laughs> was enjoyable, fellas. I said I could sit back and listen in, and I've, I've, I've learned absolutely nothing there. Nah, all, jo- <laughs> nah, all joking aside, like you say, it's a, it is a strange, strange old team. I think, you know, from a fantasy perspective, that is, like, as we've said throughout the, the little segment here, I think they've got some excellent individual pieces. It's just knowing how they're all going to come mm-hmm. together. That's part of the problem with a young nucleus, isn't it? Like you say, you could almost do with sort of reevaluating this in 12 months' time once you've got some more sort of view of how the offense is going to run with Drew yeah. Lock under yeah. centre. Um, let's move into it then, boys. Just have a quick look at the odds. Um, obviously, with the Chiefs in the division, it won't surprise you that I'm going to say fairly big price to win the AFC West. You can get best price on the Broncos of 10 to 1. Um, to win the division. If you think they're going to go all the way, you can get 55 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Um, 55. 55s, yeah. Strange old price, 55s. Well, 55s is the best price that I can see on odds checker, nevertheless. Um, what's a good season then, Stocks? What's a good season? What's a bad season? You know, Do you think they can sort of get out of this division in terms of you know making the the playoffs? Um, you know, obviously the Chiefs are going to be heavy favourites and you know we know that, but um, I think the Broncos can certainly be in there punching and on the flip side of that, mate, what would be a poor season in your in your opinion? So, obviously I heart and head here say way different things. I think a reasonable good season would be to see an improvement on offense and defense. I mean, when you think we've got, I think currently the second most draft picks in the draft and five of them are in the top three rounds, there's a really good chance to pick up some quality talent for, for the coming years. So yes, we've got a good nucleus and yes, we've built our defense had, you know, at the beginning, like I said, had we have kept Harris, the ideal dream situation for me would be to have either kept Harris or, I don't know how much the Davion Clowney costs, but he has not yet been signed. Am I right? I'm free agency. Mm-hmm. He's still out there. He, he wants 24 million, I think, or something like that, doesn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, we've only got 19 million in free cap left, I think. 
but if you if you don't sign Melvin Gordon to that sixteen million, if you give that sixteen million to Chris Harris or however much he wanted, and say, look, one season, then you turn around to Davian Clowney and say, look, one season, we'll give you everything else we've got. You then don't need to draft interior defensive linemen because Clowney's there. You've got Harris and Thingy Bob in the background, and then you've got ten picks for future talent. A good season. I got a bit off tangent there, but I think a good season would definitely be playoffs. I think if we don't, I think the Chiefs, yes, they've only lost Phil Rivers and Melvin Gordon, but Melvin Austin Eckler proved he can be Melvin Gordon. They don't need him. It just depends on whether Tyrod or, let's say, Justin Herbert gets drafted there. Can they step up into the Philip Rivers role of, of gaining lots of yardage and gaining touchdowns? Yeah, he turned it over, but the Chiefs were good in that manner. of, And that's the way they played football. But I think they'll be better than the Chiefs this season. And if they're not, fair enough. But I think they will be. The Raiders... Who knows what's going on in Vegas right now? I mean, they were sneaky good on defense last year, but they've moved stadium. That has an effect on teams. Will people go and see the games in Vegas? Because let's face it, especially with the current climate, if you can't travel to Vegas, there isn't that many people there. I don't think they're going to want to go to games. So you might be going to a half full stadium. That might affect them. So we can write them off. And then, yeah, we're not going to beat the Chiefs. I mean, you know, I, it pains me to say it, but the only way you don't beat the Chiefs, the only way you beat the Chiefs, if if Patrick Mahomes isn't playing, you know, and I don't wish injury upon anyone, and but that would be the only <laughs> way I think we win the division if Patrick Mahomes unfortunately gets injured, and then a bad season, I I would hate to see us make all these. I think we've made pretty good off-season moves so far. I think John Elway, for the first time in a long time, is going into the draft thinking, we don't need a quarterback. What does that even feel like? So he can, <laughs> he can unleash everything else into the draft. And, you know, we've drafted pretty well recently. Um, Drew Locke, we moved back, got Noah Fant. We've also gotten Drew Locke from that. Cortland Sutton, Bradley Chubb, both really good draft additions. And I think if they can get this draft right, a bad season would be getting all the pieces and then just seeing absolutely no spark whatsoever. Just yeah. a real, a real boring. And I get it. You know, Vic Fangio's football isn't necessarily exciting, but you look at the end of last season, the defense was really good towards the end of the season. And I think getting Chubb back will only help that. If we can just get a couple of good pieces mm. in the draft, I think, I think they'll be there. And I think a bad season will be shown by the fact that they don't turn up. I think, I think, sorry, I I think um, the way I look at it is the Broncos and and the Colts are two very similar teams. We're a couple of key pieces away from being at next level. I think this draft is very key for both teams to get those key pieces to get to the next level. So it's going to be interesting to see over the next few weeks. Sure. Yeah, definitely. As I said, right at the outset, one of the more intriguing teams, like I say, a lot of people sleeping on them, but I think Stocks, you've done well there, mate, to to hopefully whet the appetites of the Broncos fan base. Um, obviously, Broncos fans get in touch with us via the usual places, Full 10 Yards on Twitter. Get in touch via the website as well. Leave us some audio messages. Tell us how you think the Broncos are going to do. Uh, but obviously, Stocks, be unfair of me to not give you the opportunity, mate, to tell people where they can find your good self, my friend, on the social media and on the podcast side of things. Thanks, mate. Yeah, well, you can find me and my co-host Murph over at fiveyardrush.co.uk. The podcast is available, I think, pretty much everywhere now. There is one, actually, I think maybe it's not on soundcloud actually i don't think it's on soundcloud but it's everywhere else uh we've got a youtube channel and then twitter's at five yard rush so come get involved if you want some fantasy advice we're over there to help 
No, absolutely. Great job from you boys over there. Congrats on 200 episodes as well, buddy. I know that was a milestone that you reached in the last few days. So much love from us, mate. You know, we're big fans and I know vice versa. You know, we've always supported each other. So keep up the good work, buddy. And uh, we will, of course, speak again uh, throughout the off-season, mate. And uh, you take care of yourself. Be in touch, pal. Thanks, buddy. You guys stay safe. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Anytime. Cheers, pal. Cheers, dogs. Okay, let's keep this conversation going then and let's talk some LA Chargers. And of course, to do that, we weren't going to get anybody else in, but our very own Lee. How are you, matey? Yeah, very good, thank you. A uh, bit bored of being cooped up in the house, but isn't everyone, so I can't really complain too much about that. But yeah, not too bad at all. Good stuff, mate, good stuff. Yeah, like you say, a bit of a strange situation for us all, but uh, we'll mm. do our best to give people some listening pleasure over the course of the next few days and weeks. And uh, I know you're doing some great work as we get up towards the draft. Obviously, uh, your favourite time of year, mate, I suppose, in that mm. regard. Yeah, definitely. It's a bit of a weird time, obviously, with none of the pre-draft process really going on after the combine. Um, so it's a bit of a... A funny one this year. It doesn't have the same buzz and energy around it. And I'm sure it won't on draft night, unfortunately, considering that there'll be no crowd there in Vegas. Would have been a big one, wouldn't it? Obviously, being in Vegas, obviously a big party cap it up. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's still going on, which is the main thing. You know, we're getting some selections, which will be good and we'll, we'll make the best of it. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. We'll obviously talk draft in a little bit as we talk about your LA Chargers. Um, and obviously, I suppose the big question going into you know, possibly the answer will be in the draft, but it's obviously what happens at quarterback with the big news that obviously Philip Rivers, end of an era, mm. uh, moving on. Um, obviously, you've got Tyrod Taylor on the roster. Um, so, you know, what, what do you think they're going to do? I'm assuming you're thinking they're going to draft somebody, mate. Would that be correct? Yeah, I would think so. Um, whether it comes at pick number six or whether it comes a bit later on, I'm not really sure. I kind of to and fro between thinking it's going to be one or the other. Um, but yeah, I think there'll definitely be someone drafted in. I think the way we've geared up through, throughout the free agency has kind of geared towards that with the obviously kind of pricing ourselves out of moves for bigger names and free agent quarterbacks with the moves that we made. But yeah, I definitely think we'll bring someone in. I'm quite excited for it, actually. You know, as much as River's obviously a legend and things like that, it's always nice to kind of see in a new era. And I guess uh, you'll know all about that. <laughs> I, see one in, I see a new era in every 12 months, mate. I wouldn't say it's that exciting. Please don't get used to it, mate. It's not good for your health. Um, you mentioned there, mate, some of the other stuff that you've done in, in free agency. Just talk us through that then from a Chargers perspective, mate, the moves that have gone down so far. Yeah, it was it was very positive, really. Um, not the most Chargers-like free agency period, to be honest with you. you know, Tom Tesco's quite a conservative and stoic GM who doesn't really make big moves. And he usually lets the top sort of batch go. He lets the, the big names go off the board and lets the other people spend the money and the big money. Um, but he's always a shrewd operator. And I feel like we've done we've done some Tom Tesco moves in that sense, that we've got some good signings in for value for money as well, which is always the, the way that Tosco does things. Obviously quite impressed with the, the signings that we've made. You know, Brian Bralaga, um, Linval Joseph and Chris Harris, all top veterans who are going to come in, you know, older, going to be good in the locker room, good on the field. So these are, these are moves that I feel like they're going to put a lot of stability around the young quarterback and start off the new era right, which is good. And obviously the move for Trey Turner, uh, the guard from Carolina, was obviously a really good move, one that really got us all excited to begin with. Um, so yeah, no, all really good veteran moves. You know, no one too young. Trey Turner's 26 coming into his prime, but all the rest uh, a little bit older. But yeah, no, really good moves from the Chargers. Really positive way to start the off season and uh, you know setting ourselves up for a good season. I hope. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. I mean, one of the other things, bits of business, obviously, using the tag on uh, tight end Hunter Henry. Mm. Um, he's obviously a guy that, you know, sort of first couple of years, you know, showed a real amount of promise. He's obviously had his injury problems and obviously, I'm, you know, 
from the outside looking in, it seems a sensible move to therefore apply the tag and almost say to the guy, you know, prove you can stay healthy and we'll reward you with a longer term deal. Is, is that the way that you would view it as well? I do think so. I do think that we didn't give Hunter the longer term deal because of his injury history. And I do feel like Tom will use that to kind of leverage against him and get his, get his price down a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he breaks down in the next season, uh, I don't know if we'll retain him. I'd like to see us, and we'll talk about the draft I'm assuming later on, but I would like to see us bring in a tight end through the draft to sit behind him and possibly develop behind him. But um, no, I was really pleased that Hunter's come back. He's going to be a, a good weapon, especially if he can stay healthy for the whole year, uh, which he's obviously struggled to do. But when he has been healthy, he's been a real good weapon over the middle. And as we all know, um, tight ends are rookie quarterbacks, best friends at times. So could be a real big weapon for us. Yeah, no, absolutely. Obviously, you know, we've mentioned it already. Philip Rivers, obviously one of the big names on the way out. Other players that have gone, we just talked to Stocks with regards to the Broncos and obviously that's where Melvin Gordon has ended up. Mm. Um, Adrian Phillips is one that, you know, probably a little bit under the radar to some, but he's probably a big loss at the back end of the defence, mate. Yeah, definitely. Phillips is one that stung a little bit. He was one that Chargers fans have kind of grown to love over the you know, the past few years when he's kind of been in and out and in and out and he's really worked for his place in the roster and become a really valuable piece, both you know, on the defence and special teams, and also as a kind of glue guy, I always describe him as in the locker room and amongst the whole defence, and he's the uh, the brightest player on that defence in the mind, I would say. You know, he's renowned for his film watching and his intelligence on and off the field. So, yeah, it's one that stung. Um, would have been able to be done on a short term and a, another cheap deal like he was last year, but maybe we paid the price for not locking him up because we just gave him a one-year deal last year and it's allowed him to kind of test that market again and he's gone and uh, he'll be missed. He'll be definitely missed um, and Patriots have got a good player. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, that could do with a few, mate, the amount they're losing. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't say that often. We don't get often a uh, chance to laugh at them, do we? So let's indeed. Take, take a chance to do that. Indeed, mate, absolutely. Um, Robbie would be amiss of me not to let you and Lee just have a little debate on Philip Rivers then. We know we've obviously talked about him obviously signing up with the Colts. I mean, obviously, I think you're, you were pretty excited when we spoke about it. So, you know, just, just from your perspective, mate, are you a little bit surprised that the Chargers didn't sort of, you know, sign him up for another 12 months? Or what, what was your view just from a Chargers perspective, mate? I, I feel like the, the time was right. Um, obviously the play has been declining probably for a couple of years if we if we really are honest with ourselves and I don't think with the commute and things like that obviously it's well documented that he wasn't part of kind of the LA community in the way that he was in San Diego and I feel like the time was right and I feel even and even Chargers fans who are kind of more local than I am uh, out there in America they, they kind of feel that this conversation might have even happened 12 months ago and Philip knew that he was going to be his last season with the Chargers. Um, I just think the timing's right with the new stadium and kind of the new era just coming in. It's kind of a nice, clean break. New stadium, new era under centre. And, um, you know, just just start everything as a fresh, I guess. But it's sad, like I said, it's sad to see him go. He'll still do a decent job for the Colts and, uh, you know, we'll probably be uh, kind of passing the baton to someone else. Maybe they'll draft someone as well, maybe. Um, and it'll be in the same position. But, yeah, he's still, he, you know, he's potentially going to be behind, a, well, he's going to be behind a better outline than he was getting in the, in, in the lightning bolt. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously wishing well, but it's uh, time for a new era. Yeah, Rob, just from a, a Colts perspective then, obviously, you know, we, we've already mentioned it on the pod that we went out, uh, put out, you know, I think you were, were quite pleased. I think you think, still think he's got plenty to, to offer, mm-hmm. even if it is only for the next couple of seasons. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think, I mean, as... <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things that yeah, he's he's old, um, you know. But when you've got that O line, and you don't need to to be young. I mean, Brady's done it for years, and 
and Drew Brees has done it for years. You know, I feel I feel that Philip Rivers probably could have had another season in in Los Angeles, and I, seeing as they've brought in Trey Turner and, and Brian Belaga as well to you know to put some. Uh, some veterans on that line as well. I, I, I feel that Philip Rivers might well have had a better chance this year in in Los Angeles. So maybe he could have been given an extra year. Uh, but I'm, I mean, I'm not complaining. I, I, like I said on the last uh, the last episode when we did uh, the AFC South, I, I was very happy with with the um, with the move for us for for Indy. I think we've got a great quarterback who's, who's still got it so uh, but no I can see why the Chargers are as Lee have said uh, it's a clean break it's time for them to to move on to the ne- to the next now, I love the defense in in uh, Los Angeles um, I, I really think the Chargers have got a good team um, they're just a t- couple of key pieces away from from being excellent again and, and that and one of those is is the quarterback yeah, no, absolutely. And we shouldn't forget, you know, going into last season, it was obviously a disappointing campaign, but many people had the charges to sort of be nip and tuck all the way with the Chiefs again, didn't they? Um, obviously didn't quite pan out that way. Um, yeah, but certainly wouldn't think they are a million miles away. You said there, Rob, probably need to just add a few key pieces and Lee, come back to you, mate. Obviously your area of expertise here, then obviously going into the draft. Um, you already mentioned there, you think it may well be quarterback with the first pick, um, you know, Let's assume that that is the case, whether they do move up or not. What other areas do you think the the Chargers will be looking to add through the draft? I would like to think that they're going to add uh, another mobile and athletic tackle um, to round out the left-hand side. Because one thing, going back to the kind of Rivers conversation as well as this, is that the Chargers always like athletic tackles and athletic linemen in general because uh, Anthony Lynn wants an athletic quarterback and that's obviously one thing that's irked him about Philip Rivers and probably part of the reason why we've moved on. so I do think we'll, we'll get some some sort of athletic tackle. That's always the sort of uh, body type and the athleticism that they look for. Then we want weapons. You know, we need a, a wide receiver three. We need a tight end two, as I've said. Um, another corner wouldn't go amiss, you know, because you can never do with another corner uh, enough corners, even though we've brought in Chris Harris and still have uh, Desmond King and Case Hayward. Uh, and then just after that, it'll probably just be best player available um, just because we don't have too many crying needs, to be honest with you. It's one of those things where we've got a good roster, as Rob said, and we can kind of attack a few areas early on and just take good players, which is kind of a nice situation to be in, I'd say. Would you, would you say that the, the Chargers need a running back now? Or are you happy with Austin Eckler as your main guy going forward? Or is this a chance to bring in uh, a good rookie running back in the third, fourth round? I don't know what picks you've got, but there's going to be some good guys in the third, fourth round. Your Eno Benjamins, your um, Zach Mosses, that sort of level. Uh, the guys that have got a chance to be really good in the NFL, is this the chance for the Chargers to get a, a Melvin Gordon replacement? Or are you happy with Eckler having that job? I, th- I think everyone's happy with Eckler and Jackson as a combo, to be honest with you. I don't see sure. the Chargers dipping into the early rounds, especially. Like I just said, we don't have too many needs. So if there's someone there available dropping in the fifth, sixth, maybe even later, seventh, maybe they'll pick one. I'm not sure. I don't think they will, though. I don't think they'll go for it at all. I think we're happy with Austin and, and Justin Jackson. And um, maybe pick up another UDFA, and they've got Tromaine Pope as well, who they're quite happy with as an RB3. The, the, the only kind of thing that's kind of missing, maybe, because just Jackson and Eckler are both like sort of slighter, more agile backs, is you might need a power back. Yeah. Maybe they'll dip into one, maybe someone who can play a little bit of fullback after we've lost Derek Watt as well. So maybe a bigger back, someone like AJ Dillon, perhaps, or Jack Moss. But I don't really see it as a priority, no, not at all. Okay. 
Cool. Any uh, particular names you think we should be looking out for? Now that um, I think you've been involved as well, Lee, in the um, the Twitter Warriors UK mock draft. Any players that you've been picking up for the Chargers just for fans to potentially turn their eye towards? Well, I mean, when I was talking about offensive tackles um, a moment ago, the the guy who I'm kind of thinking that the Chargers might have an eye on is Tristan Wirfs at number six. I've actually got a feeling, and uh, maybe giving a bit of a spoiler for maybe my mock drafts that might come up before the end of the draft, I think the Chargers will move back up into the first round for a quarterback, and I think they'll take the best player available at six rather than be sort of shoehorned into taking a Justin Herbert or someone who they're maybe not as comfortable with at number six. Um, so Tristan Wirfs would fit that athletic profile that I was talk, kind of talking about. Obviously, we've seen his combine. We've seen him play for Iowa um, as an athletic freak. And then later on in the draft, I feel like we'll need some sort of speedy wide receiver. So one player that I picked up in the, the fans mock, the UK fans mock, was uh, KJ Hill from uh, Ohio State as a speedy slot receiver who runs nice routes. He'd fit really nicely with the Chargers as well. So a couple of names for you there. Bit of intrigue then, mate. If you take Worths at six, you said that you might be coming back up. Don't want to spoil this uh, mock draft too much, mate. <laughs> but, uh, what's, the, uh, what's the name of the quarterback that you think then they could be coming back up for? I think there'll be some interesting Jordan Love. I feel like the, the ceiling's high. You know, we've got Tyrod there who can, he can sort of take the reins for maybe a whole season, hopefully a whole season, because I mean he's playing well in the winning games. Uh, and Love can kind of work on his game, kind of uh, a little bit like Patrick Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs and kind of marinate for a year and then come in and maybe take the reins full-time uh, in 2021. He's got a lot of things that he needs to work on, but there's this in super high and the tools were there. So uh, he'd be an ideal developmental quarterback with a very, very high upside indeed. Interesting, mate. Look forward to that mock coming out uh, over the course of the next few days and weeks. Let's have a quick look at the betting. Um, obviously, as we'll probably keep repeating on this segment of the pod, a little bit of a lopsided betting market mm. because of the fact that the Chiefs are obviously in this division. Um, but the Chargers, mate, as big as 10 to 1 to win the division, the same price as the Broncos, which I was a little bit surprised about, I've got to be honest. I think uh, 10 to 1 is not the worst value bet you will see, is it, mate? Would you be tempted for a quid on that? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I mean, like you say, it's the it's the Kansas City market at the end of the day. You know, they're the Super Bowl champions, and they're uh, they're the team to be at the end of the day. You know, they've got a strong roster, a lot of people returning. Obviously, they've got Mahomes, as we said. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they you know lose a couple of games that they shouldn't do, and we can perform to expectations, add the right pieces in the draft. You know, you never know. Um, I'm not surprised that the Broncos are up there as well at that price because I see it as pretty equal. To be honest with you, because They've got a good roster. They're building a young core as well. So um, it's going to be a fun division. There's going to be a lot of teams in there that's going to be sort of beating each other up. So, uh, you know, if there's a few games lost between us then, and someone can come out on top of those games, then, you know, it could become a bit wider open than we were expecting. But yeah, the Chiefs are definitely a team to beat. So I'm not surprised they're that kind of hot favourites. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. 50 to 1 to go all the way for the Super Bowl. Chargers fans, if you're feeling that you are going to have a really good season. Um, what would be a good season then, Lee? Let's put you on the hot spot. What's a good season for the Chargers, mate? I'd like to get back to the playoffs. You know, as Rob said, the, the, the roster is there. It's only a few pieces away. If we can draft well again. And I feel like one thing that kind of went wrong last season is we didn't get a lot of production or any production at all out of our premium draft picks that we got. You know, Jerry Tillery didn't really come to the party. Nas Adderley didn't play at all. Pipkins didn't really play at all. So there's your three main picks that didn't really contribute anything. So hopefully, you know, hopefully the first two especially will come to the fore and we'll get that sort of boost from that and then the draft class that we pick in the in a few weeks' time. So yeah, I do feel like there's there's growth there, and you know, if we can make the playoffs, maybe as the uh, second team in the West, I'd be quite happy with that, and uh, you know, get back that uh, get the arrow pointing back upwards. Sorry. 
Yeah, I know you uh, were quite sort of vocal, if you, with your, if you like, with your displeasure of the coaching staff at the back end of last season. I, I'm assuming that obviously a repeat of that, it would be a case of clearing house, and I suppose that's worst case scenario, isn't it? Mate? Another season, sort of around the sort of five and ten, uh, five and eleven, six and ten kind of mark. Um, you know, surely that's got to be you know sort of seen, if you like, as a disappointment if that's the kind of result again, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was, yeah, it's the way that games would go in and, and just the frustration of losing close games because it's always been the case with the Chargers over the last few years. And it's just repeatedly like banging your head against the wall, you know, making the same mistakes and seeing the same things over and over again. And it's kind of frustrating. Um, I kind of trust Lynn to maybe have another crack at it. You know, his first couple of seasons, he showed that he could uh, rally the troops and get good results. So, um, yeah, if we, if we can kind of get back to that sort of form in the last couple of years, uh, sorry, these first two years, sorry. Um, I've been more than happy for him to continue, but if uh, the season's going south, I wouldn't mind trading a few assets and uh, trying to rebuild the whole thing, to be honest with you. Um, and, yeah, starting again with a new head coach, for sure. So everyone's walking a little bit of a tightrope, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, I think, yeah, like I said, if you cast your mind back 12 months ago, I think people had high expectations. And like you say, they mm. certainly didn't get met last year. Let's uh, turn it over to yourself then, Rob. Fancy football time. Which charges do you think we should be looking to get added onto our roster and what could be some value? Uh, I personally think that uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams at the moment are sort of not unknown quantities because obviously we know what they're capable of doing. But I think while we don't know who's going to be throwing the ball, you have to kind of err on the side of caution for the moment. Um, So it's all all eyes on Austin Eckler for me. And as Lee's just said, as I posed the question, they're happy with him being the main guy. And if he is the main guy, he is just going to get fed. Uh, I mean, we saw it last year. He ended up the the running back five in half point people. PR scoring, um, you know, he, he is he's a very, very good Swiss Army knife and very good for fantasy. He's a very fantasy-friendly running back. Um, so he'd be kind of the guy who's all, all, all eyes on for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. What um, just mentioned Hunter Henry um, a bit earlier, he's obviously a bit of buyer beware because of the injury history. What sort of round do you think people should be taking a chance on Henry? He's potentially going to be one of the tight ends that if he stays injury-free, he could have a bit of a monster season. So what sort of round do you think Henry could be coming out in? Again, it's, it's Hunter Henry, for me, is is a talent. He's, he's done it before. He's proved it. The injuries are a worry. But there's no more Antonio Gates. He's officially retired. So that's, that's, that's done now. So he's definitely the only guy. Um, who's the quarterback going to be? Are they? Do they favour tight ends in the end zone? If they do... Hunter Henry light him up for me. He's he's going to be a guy that you can draft in the mid rounds, and he's going to have, um, you know, he's going to have a high seeding. Uh, it's it, it's all dependent on that quarterback, and I'm, I'm sure Lee will agree. Whoever it is, you're going to have to watch tape if they're from college or if somehow they get a Jameis or or Cam Newton. We're just going to have to wait and see. Um, Hunter Henry is a great talent. And he's an end zone target, red zone target. And he will likely be drafted in the sort of sixth to eighth round, I imagine. Uh, I don't know how much he got. He burnt people last year. Um, I'd be happy taking him in sort of the seventh, eighth round, I should think, and taking a flyer. And, and having, it's a tight, that tight end quagmire in, in fantasy. Is, it's hit or miss for a lot of the players. So you might as well. He's a good talent. You know that. No, absolutely, mate. Uh, Lee, we'll come back to you, mate, for the last word on the charges, and we'll just pose that question that Rob's just said there. We've talked all very much about quarterbacks coming out from the draft. You just mentioned a couple of names that are still on the market. There's obviously been some rumours in terms of Cam Newton or Jameis Winston. 
Uh, I know how much you love Jameis Winston Lee. So, <laughs> I, 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 you know you want Jameis. <laughs> no, no, anything. But, I don't want Cam, but I, I want Jameis even less. In the in the words of Kevin Keegan, I would love it, love it if Jameis Winston <laughs> went to the Chargers. <laughs> it would be it would be worth it just for the WhatsApp chat between you two boys. <laughs> yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Right, Lee, been an absolute pleasure, mate. Obviously part of the full 10 yards family, but where can Chargers fans in particular interact with you on the social media side of things, mate? Yeah, so uh, obviously my personal handle uh, is at Wakefield90. Uh, you can find me talking college football, Chargers, and uh, a little bit of Leeds United. Soon to be back in the Premier League, as we might might uh, get football underway anytime soon, uh, hopefully at least. And if you want to talk to me about college football in particular for the full 10 yards, the full 10 yards handle for college football is at full 10 yards CFB you can get all my writing on the full 10 yards website yeah absolutely mate it's always a pleasure to read all the stuff that you put out obviously Chargers fans get in touch with us via the website and the Twitter in the usual way at full 10 yards full 10 yards.com and let's get everybody talking and interacting during these strange and peculiar times Uh, Lee enjoy the next couple of weeks mate as we get heading towards the draft obviously look forward to reading your articles and all the rest of it mate and uh, thanks for coming on and talking some Chargers with us buddy cheers boys yeah thanks for having me Cheers, Cheers, Paul. Cheers, boys. Let's get into the second half of the West then, and let's talk about the reigning champs. Of course, I am talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. It's obviously difficult to repeat that feat, but they certainly seem as though they have as good a chance as anyone in recent memory. And to talk all things Chiefs, I'm delighted to welcome in Ross. How are you, matey? Yeah, all good, Sean. Glad Glad to come back on. Absolute pleasure to have you, mate. Absolute pleasure. So let's start the conversation where I um, sort of alluded to it, mate. We've we've got a team that you know potentially is primed for a repeat. You've obviously got all the key pieces in place. Um, you know, can you avoid the Super Bowl hangover? Um, yeah, well, I think um, you just need to look back at the year before with the AFC Championship game. Um, we are, it was a lot of heartbreak in that game and the way the teams came and bounced back um, this year to go that one step further um, I think just shows the resilience within the team and I mean all the weapons are there and folks a lot of them are coming back so yeah I mean if anybody's got an opportunity to do it I don't see why the Chiefs can't Yeah I think they're certainly going to have an opportunity aren't they obviously the, the big guy I'll say big guy big guy in terms of his importance for the team of course Patrick Mahomes um, obviously, he's probably sitting there rubbing his hands together, talking of all this money going around to some, shall we say, mediocre quarterbacks, to be politically correct. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Tim will pull me up on that. I'm sure he thinks Dak is slightly better than mediocre. Um, but Mahomes, he's surely going to break the bank at some point, mate. Just how good is he um, and, and how much of a privilege is it to be able to watch him week in and week out? Yeah, I mean, the guy's just, he's a different class and um, to come back again this season, even coming back after just, I think, what was it, three games missed with a dislocated kneecap, um, to come back and drive the team on, um, his, his arm strength is absolutely frightening, but he's even looking at his scrambling ability, his awareness, he what's around him and um, it's, it's just, he's, he's a scary, scary talent and uh, I think it's it's one of the ones he's, he's going to get paid at some point um, and that's going to be a hell of a lot of money that he's going to be getting paid and to be to be a Chiefs fan in this, um, this day and age and get to watch hopefully Mahomes um, go for the next 10 years or so and, and drive the franchise on, it's going to be exciting times for the Chiefs. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, obviously, one of the advantages at the moment is obviously still playing on that rookie deal. So it'll be interesting to see, obviously, once there's an awful lot of salary cap invested in him, how that sort of makes the outlook of the roster at that stage. But obviously, that's to worry about later on down the line. Uh, talk us through the off-season moves. Um, I think, as you've alluded to there, I think one of the good things is most of the pieces are coming back. Um, but just talk us through what the Chiefs have done so far during the off-season in free agency. Yeah, I mean... Looking at the initial cap space that was available to the Chiefs in the offseason, I think at one stage it was sitting at $177, um, which is uh, pretty tight to say the least. Um, so there wasn't a lot of wiggle room um, for the team. And fortunately, they've kind of reworked a few deals for um, Frank Clark and Sammy Watkins. Um, Sammy Watkins being the big one and um, freeing up sort of $5 million in cap spaces is going to be a big help to getting guys like um, Chris Jones. Um, seeing if there's a deal on the table for him and possibly looking at some sort of deal for Pat McCombs. Um, so as I say, those, those moves I think are going to be key. Um, bringing in bringing in guys to replace as well. You've got um, Hamilton coming in at quarterback um, to replace losing Kendall Fuller. Whether he can have the same impact um, is going to be kind of time will tell um, I suppose because um, Fuller obviously having that big play in the Super Bowl was probably what's going to um, keep him in Chiefs folklore for a long time as well making that, that last interception at the end as well so I think he, he's going to be a big loss as well for us yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, Rob, we'll bring you back in towards the end, mate, when we start talking fantasy. But just in terms of the Chiefs as an overall sort of prospect for the 2020 season, as we just discussed there with Ross, you know, everything seemingly in place, mate, for a repeat run, would you think? Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? I mean, it's it's uh, you've thrown all the chips in the basket, all the eggs in the basket, I should say, uh, into this team. And you got to the promised land last year. And same team again, so you know it's it's going to be very close. You, you're expecting Kansas to be there or thereabouts. Uh, I know I certainly am, anyway, uh, with all those weapons. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just just a comment from me. This is a bit of a personal gripe that I have. You mentioned earlier, Ross, about the 177 dollars in cap space. Can I just make it blatantly obvious? People play this game to win the goddamn Super Bowl. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I don't care if you've got minus $177 in cap space. That's yep. the point. Spend the money, get the bloody players on the field. That's my exactly. little mini rant. That's my little yeah. mini rant over. <laughs> Sick of hearing about cap space and trading down in drafts and oh God, it does my head in. You'd think as Browns fans we're used to it, but God Lord, it drives me insane. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the draft. Um, so what, uh, just just go back to that point. They're saying it about the, the Patriots as well. Our oh, Patriots have got less than a million. Are you kidding me? Look where they've been for the last ten years. Of course they've got less than a million. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. Um, so, yeah. Sign me up now, mate. Absolutely, sign me up now. <laughs> right, let's talk draft. Um, like I say, obviously not too many holes on the roster as we've discussed. Um, you know, possibly looking for a bit of depth, um, cornerback. Um, you know, possibly running back. Although Damien Williams, obviously, um, you know, has proved that he can carry a sufficient workload. If if that's so, what you know, the way that the Chiefs want to go. What positions do you think the Chiefs will be looking to improve, mate? Through what is now confirmed to be a virtual draft. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think as you said, I think cornerback's going to be one that that yeah we are looking a bit thin. Um, as I say, we've we've got Ward there, and um, and then as I mentioned, Hamilton. Hamilton has experience in the league, but he has um, as unknown, I suppose, in the sense of what can he produce? Can he replace Fuller as such? Um, I think one of the 
one of the positions I was probably looking at, I mean, we lost um, Emmanuel Ogba as well and at linebacker. Um, so possibly looking in at a linebacker, but you've also got the, you've got Harris sitting in there who was a free agent pickup last year and I think he missed the season with injury. Um, he looked good coming out of college as well. So he could be a sneaky guy to come in um, from a linebacker position and kind of fill that space that's that's kind of freed up as well. So um, I think probably the main one you are probably talking cornerback, but there are a few I'm watching the watching the championship game as we um, looking at the. I was quite a fan in the championship game of the tight end, um, Tadius Moss, Randy Moss's son. I thought he looked like a, a really good tight end prospect as well. And again, that's a position. Obviously, we've got Travis Kelsey, so there's no need to replace there. But we have lost Lake Bell to the Cowboys. So bringing in a young guy like Tadius Moss, is that possibly an option? Then. He's, and he has a, he's a good run blocker as well and um, for that aspect as well. So he could be an interesting one if he, if he falls away. Yeah, it's always a nice position, isn't it? When you haven't got a ton of needs, you can go best player available. And obviously, like you say, picking obviously very late on into the draft um, for obvious reasons after a successful season. Um, yeah, that's exactly you know the kind of route that you'd probably expect them to go. Rob, I, I know think- you've been... Go on, Rob. Yeah, sorry. I, I I just wanted to put my my two pens in here. I, I think it's a case of best player available for the Chiefs coming in for that last pick because there's there's players at the back end of the first round that could easily drop to them, and I'm talking uh, players like um, the. Um, let me just get my list up here. Sorry. Uh, I think it's Christian Fulton, the cornerback. Uh, I've yeah. seen him go as early as like pick sixteen. I've seen him go as late as like third or fourth pick in the second round. So it's players like Christian Fulton, Jeff Gladney, Damon Arnett. They're the three sort of big hitting cornerbacks going at the end of the first round. But then you've got the linebackers, Kenneth Murray. I've seen him drop down to the late, late, first early second um so if he's there patrick uh, patrick queen as well so, so there's those sort of four or five players there are big names for their positions that if they're available at the end of the first then the chiefs might well be tempted but if you've read my mock drafts both of my mock drafts i have definitely gone with my head not with my heart uh, well i've got i've gone with both because i've gone from a fantasy perspective because i would love 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 to see jonathan taylor running the ball for the kansas city chiefs next year because that would be fantasy gold right there <laughs> it was Queen Queen and Murray are actually two that I'd kind of I'd sort of noted down earlier on as well in the terms when I was thinking linebacker as well Rob um, and I mean these guys again seeing them in the um, in the national championship game as well yep. these guys were these guys were big big players and oh, yeah. um, it's that awareness that they've got as well we, it was, was scary uh, to see it time for these guys I think with the with the way the first round is this year, with all them top offensive linemen, the first round is is I'm so excited for this first round because it's one of the most deep the deepest first rounds for all the positions because you've got players like Patrick Queen who on a regular draft last year, two years ago, he'd be going top 15, no question, because he's electric and uh, going around the, the middle of the park uh, as a linebacker. He's, he's, he'd fit in a lot of teams and he'd do very bloody well in the NFL. He's going at the back of the first. You know what I mean? So this this draft for me is really exciting. And for for, for you, for, for Kansas, being drafted at 32, which is like, you know the, the irrelevant in the first, first round pick, it doesn't matter because you're going to get someone good. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, no matter what way the chips fall, it is going to be a good pick you're getting and a, and a real quality player coming out of college. 
Yeah, the rich certainly likely to get richer. You just touched on it there, <laughs> Rob, about you know potential fantasy gold. Let's talk about what we do know in terms of the Chiefs that are there. Obviously, some big point scorers on offer here. Uh, just talk us through a few Chiefs that we should look to pick up and somebody that might give us a bit of value. Yeah. Um, again, it, it, it's all for me, as I've said all the way through this series, it's all about this draft. It's really important for fantasy football. And if we get a running back drafted in the first or even the second round to Kansas, you know, alarm bells here. Come on, this is going to be good. We know the running back position at Kansas is great for fantasy. But uh, for me, it's all about Tyreek Hill. He is the guy that you're going to be spending a second, third round pick on as your wide receiver one. And he's all that. While he's got Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball, he's going to get deep. He's going to take the top off the defense. He is going to be, well, he is, he's fantasy gold. He's, he's, you've got to have him on your team. I'm not, I love having Tyreek Hill. I was gutted when all that off, you know, off, off field stuff happened. And, and um, you know, you have to play with your, with, with, your, with your mental side of things for a minute. Am I going to draft him? To, but at the end of the day, for fantasy football, he is he's a diamond. Um, so he's, he's one player I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh, as for uh, a sleeper, um, Mikel Hardman, you'd have to say, is is one of the guys that came in last year as a rookie. Um, Sammy Watkins obviously signed a new contract. There's three wide receivers, a lot of mouths to feed. But Mikel Hardman is one that can go boom or bust. Look for the matchup. He's a matchup play. Uh, he's a kind of guy that you put on your bench and wait for the matchup. Um, wait for them to be uh, against a team who might ha- may have a one good quarterback who's going to be centric over Tyreek Hill or, or Sammy Watkins and Miko is just going to be open. Those are the sorts of games that you can plug him in. I find he's a quite a, um, I don't want to say easy fantasy piece, but he's a kind of guy that you can read the script for. So, so Miko Hardman for me is a good sort of sleeper. Yeah. Fair share, mate. Ross is obviously is a successful fantasy player in your own right, mate. Any, uh, any names that we should also be looking out for from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think Rob's Rob's kind of covered that. I mean, the the Legion of Zoom is um, kind of been referenced to are, are nice. scary. I mean, those, those guys are. I, I was fortunate and early to have um, Tyreek Hill, um, and I mean, there's some some big big weeks in there for him. I've and my other kind of fantasy league. I've also last year I did spend quite early on a tight end because I knew it was a position, and again, it was. So I suppose looking at it, best pick available. And I did go early in Travis Kelsey um, because I think with Travis Kelsey, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get that steady flow of touchdowns. He's going to get your yards as well. So you may spend big on him, but again, you're going to get the points with him. And again, looking looking at the man in the middle, Pat Mahomes as well, you will need to spend early. Probably too early for my own blood, um, to be honest. But again, You've seen, you've seen him in fantasy football where he's had 40-point weeks and stuff, and very rarely does he go below 20, 25 points. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see if um, Thompson at running back um, has any um, progression this year, because coming in last year, there was a lot of um, talk about as a as a potential guy to kind of oust Hyde and Williams to the starters role. They've never really seen too much of him last year, but second year, will he maybe put some pressure on Williams? Certainly a possibility, maybe to keep an eye on them. Yeah, a couple yeah. of sleepers there for you then, everybody. Um, like I say, there'll be plenty of Chiefs drafted once we get up and running with fantasy. Um, let's have a quick look at the odds then. We've said this all throughout the pod. It's been, you know, it's too early to really judge it. But with that being said, the Chiefs, 2-9 to nine to win the division, Ross. Um, you're obviously not going to get rich backing them there. Um, so probably more worthwhile talking to you just about repeat in the big victory in the Super Bowl. No surprise that your favourite six to one. Do you think that's a fair price? 
Yeah, don't, don't think it's again with the weapons that are there. Um, as I've as I've kind of said earlier on, the weapons that are there certainly to do that. A lot of the defenders, when you're looking at the three the three kind of big guys they've got up front, and if Chris Jones does um, sign a deal or sign his tag and play, you've got Kaelin Sanders there, and um, is it pass pass passing bonus? Um, the other guy that makes up those three with them. Uh, he's they're all kind of pretty disruptive um, to be fair so defensively there are some good pieces as well so I don't see what I think 61 a good price as well yeah no absolutely I don't think it's bad value at all and you know I certainly don't think it's Super Bowl or bust but if we're saying that Super Bowl is a realistic target what what will be a bad season mate you know what 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 should uh, what should you know constitute a poor season in your eyes Poor season, I think, is not at the very least making the FC Championship for the third season in a row, um, to be perfectly honest. I mean, the, the pieces are all there. Um, the guys have got experience of getting there. From a divisional perspective, I, I can't say that I'm overly scared of Tyrod Taylor, um, to be honest. Or um, I don't know the Broncos have added in Melvin Gordon, but again, I don't really see there being too much to fear from a Broncos perspective. And the Raiders, I think, are just going to be the Raiders. If you're facing Carr or Mariota, it's really similar shades. Um, to be honest, I don't think there's there's much to fear from those guys. As I say, for me, poor season's not making the championship, the AFC Championship at a minimum. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, must be lovely to have such high expectations and probably <laughs> realistic expectations, mate. Maybe one day our teams will get there, Robbie. Mind <laughs> you, you had a fairly decent run of it in the early, uh, well, mid-2000s, early 2000s? Yeah, 2006 was our heyday. Yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting for my heyday, mate. Look on the bright side. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, did you like the stat that I brought up the other day? The um, I think you've you've only won... You've only been past eight wins three times since 1974 or something like that. Yeah, thanks for that, Rob. You're really, <laughs> you're really, hey, mate. Sorry, mate. You're really improving my mood. Much appreciated. <laughs> um, Ross, absolute pleasure to have you on, mate. Really appreciate you jumping in and talking some Chiefs with us. Where can people find you on social media to interact with you? Um, my Twitter, you can find me on Twitter. I think it's, um, it's at Ross 83 or... Ross Sterling 83 I can't, can't even remember him on Twitter handle to be honest but it's, it's one of those ones <laughs> it's definitely Ross Sterling 83 that's certainly the bloke I was talking yeah. to earlier mate so yeah Ross, Ross Sterling 83 on the Twitter um, obviously Chiefs fans get in touch um, with us as well at the usual places at full 10 yards get in touch via the website leave us some audio messages how you think the Chiefs are going to do in your view on the moves so far and who you think they might be looking for in the draft but Ross absolute pleasure mate uh, I know you're a fan and a friend of the show so thanks very much for your continued support mate look after yourself and we will be in touch again soon my friend no worries guys uh, thanks very much for having me on again and uh, yeah look after yourselves and hope you and your families all stay safe cheers yeah, Ross mate. take care buddy Sean just before cheers, we get just to just to let you know, it's it's eight times since 1974. You've you've got over eight wins eight times. Well done. Thanks, Rob. Three down and one to go, and of course the team that is left is the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas, not Oakland anymore. I'll probably get it wrong throughout the podcast, but as we're still calling in the San Diego Chargers from time to time, it's going to take <laughs> a little bit of getting adjusting. Um, but hopefully, a man that won't get it. Wrong too often. I won't put you under too much pressure, but I'll welcome in Tyler to the podcast. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to talking some football as we uh, as we get closer to the draft. 
Absolutely, mate. Absolutely indeed. Welcome distraction with everything that's going on. And the Raiders, certainly a team with plenty of intrigue. Lots of moves that have happened, mate, during this off-season. Just give us a bit of an overview of all the moves that have been made um, by the Raiders so far during free agency. Yeah, so there's been a, there's been a few. Um, I think that the, the most... The most eye-catching one that everyone's talking about is uh, the addition of Marcus Mariota, who uh, some people are billing as an instant walk-on, take-the-job prospect, whereas others are just thinking he's a backup. I'm personally in the backup camp just because I think that it's important to acknowledge how complicated and intricate Gruden's offense is. And I really think that Derek Carr stepped up last year, and I believe that him getting more accustomed to the offense and being able to get comfortable means that stepping into a new direction, not only does it mean that Mariota would have to be better than Carr for it to have been worth it, it would also, I think, delay the process just based solely on him not being ready to uh, to run the offense as quickly. So uh, that was probably the one that a lot of people are talking about. My favorite addition we've made is actually the uh, the signing of Corey Littleton. He was my favorite pickup by a long way because if you had have had me in here a month or two ago, the number one thing I would have said, we need a linebacker that can actually play some defense when they're passing the ball. Like I like to hear Whitehead in terms of the, the leadership and he was very good at making tackles over the course of the season. But in terms of coverage, he just wasn't there. And adding Corey Littleton is by far my favorite signing just because he has that off-ball ability, but he isn't a liability in the run. So having a bit of versatility at linebacker is something that we did not have. And then uh, we've done a few more bits here and there. Everyone's favorite receiver, Nelson Aguilar. He, uh, he's a bit of a hot topic in terms of the people that are supporting him, not necessarily being the biggest fans, but... Uh, I think that he's got potential and the only thing really that the Raiders needed to do is put some depth in there. Like it won't come as any, uh, any spoiler to anyone that will be talking about receivers in terms of uh, draft targets, but uh, having an extra guy in the depth chart is a nice option. And when they added him, they didn't have to pay too much. It wasn't some huge marquee signing. So uh, the depth was appreciated. And I think that other than those guys I've mentioned, depth really is the, the name of the game. They, they tried bringing in Eli Apple, who, uh, who I think actually would have been a really good addition, but it didn't quite stick. So that puts a little bit more pressure on the draft to make sure that they fill that void. I probably still would have said cornerback was really important, even with Apple, but uh, it would have maybe taken a bit of the weight off it. And then you've got a couple of other guys. I actually think that one of the ones that maybe I'm not a huge fan of, adding Jason Witten, I didn't feel was relevant or needed. Because anyone that watched the Raiders games last year will know that Darren Waller is like a legitimate certified one. He doesn't need a guy ahead of him. So realistically, Witten would be looking at a two at most. But then people who don't necessarily follow the Raiders might not realize how good Foster Moreau actually was last year. He came in his first season trying to assert himself in the team. And he actually did so much more than I expected in terms of production. Because obviously, we know that a tight end has to be able to block and receive. But he really surprised me with how well he did in the latter. And I think that adding Witten is just kind of, oh, Witten's available. 
like it's just one of those where you're kind of you're seeing a list of names Witten stands out amongst the other guys and you think maybe he might bring something to the table that the others don't have he's pretty good in the red zone and I think that that will be helpful but genuinely I don't even think he's our second best tight end so uh in terms of the additions I'm happy with a few particularly Littleton I'm really happy and then uh and then the other guys are kind of hit and miss and uh, the uh, the outgoing free agent that is worthy of a little shout out is actually Carl Joseph. Uh, although he isn't like necessarily the kind of guy that when he leaves it breaks the defense up, I do think it is a tough a tough loss because he was one of our better players last year on the defensive side. That might not be saying much, but he was definitely one of the guys that actually made some good plays. And so with Abram coming back healthy, it's not like there's going to be no one back there, but it is going to be a a loss that I think we'll notice, especially if we don't go to uh, to that position early in the draft. Yeah, it's encouraging for me to hear that as a Browns fan. Obviously, that's where Carl Joseph ended up. Completely agree with everything you said about Corey Littleton. He would have been a, a big target, I think, for a number of teams. Um, sure. So, yeah, I definitely think that's a, an excellent pickup. Jason Whitten is a funny one, isn't he, Rob? I'll come to you for, mm. for this one. Cause he's obviously a guy that, <laughs> you know, as, as Todd has just alluded to, there's always been a good red zone target. But it just seems strange for a guy that was retired, you know, two years ago. It was yeah. almost like a bit of nostalgia that, all right, then I'll have another trot out for the Cowboys. But yeah. Did, did you ever see him playing anywhere nah. else? It just seems a bizarre move, doesn't it? And and it, it is a bizarre move. To just like, Even like Tyler just said, with, with Darren Waller, Foster Moreau, who I actually did have uh, tabs on last year coming into the league because obviously we didn't know who Darren, uh, Darren Waller was. Uh, and from a fantasy perspective, I had my eyes on Foster Moreau being a fourth-round draft pick and saw that he did have a good season. So And, and then Nick, Nick O'Leary, is another one who's come over this year from Jacksonville as an unrestricted free agent uh, and Derek Carrier as well is also there I think so there's there's, there's five tight ends what's the need yeah that, that was bizarre for me that was uh, a, a very yeah bizarre move yeah absolutely let's talk draft then Todd you've kind of given us a bit of a sneak peek I think every single mock draft that I have read has pretty much got wide receiver going to the Raiders yeah. first up um Rob's shaking his head. Rob's is probably different. But nope, not on my mock draft. They haven't got a wide receiver. <laughs> we'll come to that in a minute then, Rob, where you might be going. But Tyler, as the as the Raiders fan on the uh, on the podcast, where do you think they will be looking at? Is it wide receiver? And if so, which one? Yeah, so uh, I think that there's an enviable position in terms of the fact that they do have the two picks pretty quickly. So I think that one thing that... I th- I'm sure that uh, Rob wouldn't be completely avoiding the receiver position, but that 12 spot, because of having a 19th pick as well, it kind of does give you some fluidity. So uh, although I am leading wide receiver, uh, I think that if someone along the lines of Jeff Akuda or Isaiah Simmons slips down to 12, that kind of player who is going to be a star on the defense, I would look away from the receiver for that. But I'm going to be honest. I want to see C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy coming at 12. Like, that is where I would go. And although I personally have them in the order of Lamb, then Judy, I couldn't care less which one we end up with. It's one of those where you can't miss. If you get one of those two, you're coming out with the alpha wide receiver who's going to step up. Obviously, everyone knows that last year in Oakland, we was hoping to have Antonio Brown. That didn't quite go very well. I'm sure that no one needs me to explain that one. (laughs) If they can get their new alpha wide receiver, not only does that give them a a significant upgrade, it takes the pressure off of Tyra Williams, who was never going to be a one. 
it allows Hunter Renfro to really excel in the slot as well, which I think by miles, by absolute miles, he was the best slot receiver we've had in so long. Like he came out of nowhere and it basically takes the pressure off of Carr, or obviously you could say Mariota. If he has a guy Well, you could outside, say Kaiser, who I believe is your best quarterback, by the way. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm a big I, Notre I Dame fan, why. so... I can, I'm a big I can... Notre Dame fan, that's why. Okay, fair play, fair play. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Whoever is back there, if they can look to their left and see one-on-one coverage with Tyra Williams, because on the right, you've got Hunter Renfro and one of these two college studs, now you can start to see Williams starting to do what he's good at doing. And that is absolutely burning defenses and putting the pressure on them. You don't want him to be the only threat because obviously his skill set is kind of dependent on the way that the coverage treats him. So for me at 12 here, we would go wide receiver. CD Lamb is my favorite and Jerry Judy is like, it's kind of a 1A, 1B situation for me, but I, uh, I do like both of those guys a lot. And, uh, I think there'll be plenty of jerseys for uh, for the Raiders if that does happen that are getting sold with those names on the back. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, Rob, you said um, you, know, you weren't going wide receiver first. I think you were nodding in agreement when Tyler said you wouldn't completely ignore the position. But where mm. would you have them going at 12, then, mate, in your latest mock? Well, in, in my mock 1.0, I actually, I actually fancied them because when I did the 1.0, this was before all this shenanigans started going down. Uh, because the draft was in Vegas and I thought what happens in Vegas with a Vegas team it's going to have fireworks so I actually had the trading up to the second spot to go grab um, uh, to go uh, and grab a Chase Young the um, the edge rusher so I, I just thought they're going to blow it out of the water why not they're, they're in, on home, home soil they've got the home fans there this is the first chance for them to say look we're in Vegas Go get the go get the best player in the draft um, and and trade with with Washington, um, but since this has all fizzled down a little bit, there's not going to be a crowd there. There's not going to be the hype there. I yeah. don't think they'll do that. I think they're they're going to set with their their two first picks. But I think that and by the way, just saying if <laughs> if Akuda or Isaiah Simmons falls to one twelve, I will eat this hat. I promise or, you. Or even um, if they have to move up a little bit, I think that. In, if, even if they get towards nine or ten, you're going to start yeah. seeing people getting fidgety. Yeah, yeah that's true. That you, you could go grab someone there for sure. I have them down in my second mark here uh, to go grab CJ Henderson, who will be the second best cornerback off the board from Florida. Um, he's a very versatile quarterback. He'll fit in very well for the Raiders. And then with the 19th pick, um, I have them then taking Henry Ruggs because my thought process behind this is you've got Hunter Renfro, who Tyler, you've said, is a very, very good slot receiver. Uh, you've got Tyrell Williams on one side. Zay Jones can do his thing as well. Why not have another speed burner on the other side as well? So you've got Tyrell Williams and Henry Ruggs. All of a sudden, the defense will not know what to do with that offense. So that's why I've plugged Henry Ruggs in with the 19th pick. And I think then with an elite corner and an elite wide receiver who blew up the combine, who we know is quick, I think you won the first round with them two picks. I like those picks for sure. I think that the number one thing for me in terms of the receiver is kind of and for the record, I think that Ruggs is an insanely talented player. And the place mm-hmm. that I keep mocking him is actually to Denver, which terrifies sure. me. Because if you look at the Raiders' defense, I don't care how many picks <laughs> they spend on the defense, having Ruggs against them is going to be terrifying. And so yeah. if he gets to 19, that means he's got past Denver. So that's a good sign for me. <laughs> but uh, 
But I think that in terms of the need of the way that I see the offense going, I would love to see that alpha route running wide receiver. And obviously sure. none of these guys are slow. If you're taking a first round wide receiver, they're still going to have a bit of quickness, especially after the catch with those first two guys. But um, I think that the burner is definitely a good way to go. If they don't take a receiver at 12, Ruggs would be a fantastic option if they do take them at 19. Uh, I actually really do like the Henderson call. And, I would say that my pick at 19 would be the flip of you. So if they take a receiver at 12, I'd love to see them go cornerback straight away at 19. So we're thinking on the sure. same wavelength, just flipped. Yeah. Um, I think that the guys that I like most are CJ Henderson and then failing that Christian Fulton I quite like. I think yeah. that he's another good guy. He might not be someone that you want to take in the top 20, but based on the position of the picks that the Raiders have, that kind of 20 to 25 range, you kind of have to just take your guy. You don't want to be dilly-dallying and trying to trade back a couple of spots to get better value. If you want the guy, just take him at 19. And I think the Fortune's sure. probably my third cornerback. And uh, if we don't take anyone at 19, all of a sudden you're going to have to talk trades because you haven't got a second round pick and you really do need that cornerback. Definitely thinking along the same wavelength then, boys. And like you say, I think having that flexibility of a couple of picks in that sort of middle part of the first round certainly gives options. Uh, I think it's an intriguing scenario you talk about there as well in terms of, you know, I don't think you've seen any mocks where the coup has dropped that low, but I have certainly seen ones with Simmons dropping. And we all know, we joked about it earlier on, Rob, about the Browns and their love of trading down. If the Browns are sitting at 10 and there's an offer on the table for for 12 plus something else. I, I could see the Browns being tempted, particularly if some of the offensive linemen are still on the board. So that would be an interesting yep. one to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. I think the Raiders have both directions available to them. Obviously, having two picks in the first round kind of screams that you could move up. But at the same time, you need to think about that second round. And I think not enough people make a big deal out of how terrifying it can be to not have that second round pick. And obviously, sometimes when you move up, you're also getting a chance to do things on the back end maybe if they move up in the first round that also entails getting a second round pick based on the way that they do it or the obvious one is if you want to move back from that 19 you could try and get that second rounder and and pick a pick from the options there there are a couple other cornerbacks you've got people like uh, I actually really like Damon Arnett you've got uh, Gladney is quite popular so like there are guys that are in that second round that you can go to as the corner. And so I'm basically in that position of, I want the picks to be a receiver and a cornerback. And if they want to do them in different orders or at different times in the draft, I'll let them get on with what they want to do as long as they're meeting those criteria at some point in those first two rounds. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Let's talk, Rob, first a bit of fantasy. I'll come to you in a minute, Tyler, just for your reaction to this. But Rob, I assume when we're talking Raiders, we're going to be talking Josh Jacobs, uh, yeah. Any other players that we should be looking for, though, as well, my friend? I mean, we've just gone through a whole plethora of, of receivers and, you know, we didn't really speak about Darren Waller being one of those guys um, who's going to take targets. So you, there's sort of three or four receivers in that team that you really have to, to, to sort of look at. I think Darren Waller will be the star of the show. I really do, no matter who they draft in, 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 in this upcoming draft, I still think Darren Waller will be the red zone target. But yeah, like you said, Josh Jacobs, he's the, the, the going to be the poster boy for this offense because there's, there's, you know, with Derek Carr, Mariota, Deshaun Kaiser, even Nathan, Nathan Peterman's there uh, as quarterback. So those guys aren't for me. They're not the poster boys. Josh Jacobs, he, 
potentially is. He was lights out last year. Really, really impressed. I think he's going to be awesome again this year. Yeah, and no, absolutely. You'd probably expect some growth in year two as well, I would suggest. Tell it if you were playing fantasy football and you were looking to pick up some Raiders, who would you be looking at, mate? So uh, I'm going to come out with the little brag here that last year I was in four fantasy leagues and every single one of them had Darren Waller on it. So <laughs> I was like that. I had three leagues. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's just one of those where if you're watching your team closely, you can sometimes pick up something that other people don't. And I had uh, mm-hmm. I had Waller in the 15th round of every single draft, and yeah, uh, yeah it did me proud. So uh, yeah, yeah, as you say, Darren Waller, in terms of position by position, is the best player the Raiders have because obviously Jacobs, although he's the best player on the team. There are more running backs that you take above him. That tight end position is really hard to hit on. That's why last year, if you had Waller, it was such a huge deal. Like mm-hmm. PPR, half PPR, whatever it was, he was just making so much yardage, it was insane. And on that position, you have to try and mix the value with the scarcity. So like, do I want to take a guy way earlier? If you're taking Kelsey, that's a really big commitment. Maybe Kittle, maybe Zach Ertz. These guys are seriously expensive to draft. If you get someone a bit later, I'm thinking Waller's probably going to be in the kind of three to six round based on how excited people get. He might be a better value than someone like Kelsey or Earth just because of the fact you get a couple rounds before you have to go to the tight end position. Mm -hmm. The receivers are going to be really interesting this year because... Let's just assume, for the sake of this fantasy discussion, they take a wide receiver in the first round. It doesn't even have to be the 12th pick. One of those two picks, say, for example, they do get Ruggs or they go for Judy or C.D. Lamb. Any of those three are instantaneously going to be the number one receiver on the Raiders in terms of fantasy upside. Like, obviously, Williams is good, and we love Renfro, but he's more of a a short and sharp guy. He's good for PPR in a deeper league, but he's not going to be, like, the guy. Those receivers are going to be really exciting. So you have your Jacobs, who's kind of proven it already. Waller with a massive bounce back, and then these unknowns. And I think that whichever receiver ends up on the Raiders is going to be a nice option for some upside. And you probably won't have to pay too much if, if you kind of time it right. But I'm not being funny. If you have someone like C.D. Lamb come in, people that aren't even that into college are going to know who he is. And so he's going to be a, a, hot, a hot topic when it comes to fantasy. And uh, I think that he's going to be a... I wouldn't say it's going to be like one of those top three, four, five rounds, but he'll be right there in terms of one of the highest drafted rookies in the entire fantasy next year. Yep. Yeah, no, I think he definitely will be. And like you say, I think... Um... Yeah, he potentially is a bit transformational in terms of what he brings to the offence. Um, so it'll be interesting if he does end up playing in the silver and black. Um, let's have a quick look at the betting. Obviously, way too early, as we keep saying. Uh, but best price for the Raiders to win the division is 12-1. to 1. Uh, And the, in terms of the Super Bowl, bear with me. We are looking at 50 to 1. Um, so, obviously, you know, rank outsiders for the Super Bowl, obviously. 12 to 1, obviously, plenty of competitive teams in the division titles. You think it's worth a punt? And, you know, we haven't actually asked you the, the big question in all of this, I suppose, which is how do you think a move to a new city is going to impact the franchise positively or negatively? I think this is a really hard question because, from the perspective of the fans, you have to kind of go, they're changing in a way that is like very Raiders. 
Like, if any team's going to go to Las Vegas, the Raiders just feels like the team. They have that kind of grit, that edge, that kind of the fan base is kind of aware of what Raiders football is about. And I think that if John Gruden and the Raiders go to Las Vegas, it has a certain feel to it. It has that kind of, all right, well, what are you going to do now kind of thing. And when we spoke earlier about Rob thinking that they're going to make a bit of a splash in the draft, they might not do that in the draft, but they're going to want to do that in the actual season. They're going to take this as a, a bit of a, well, we have to do something now. And I think that it's going to fire up a team that already started making progress. It's quite easy to forget in the space of these few months how well the Raiders were actually doing before it fell apart. Like, going into the Jets game in particular, it looked seriously like the Raiders were in the playoff contention. And obviously, they weren't actually not in the playoffs until the very, very end. So, as someone who watches every game with a kind of fresh slate, like, all right, this week's this week, when you go back in hindsight and look at the season as a whole, it's really important to realize that the Raiders were serious contenders even without Antonio Brown, who they should have had, right down the stretch. And so if you add one of the top three receivers, if you add an elite cornerback prospect, even if it is a guy in the second round, that's still going to be a serious upgrade on what they have now. You have some guys that are going to be in their second season that can step up, including Abram, who wasn't even able to play after week one. And like, I just think that all of the pieces are there for them to be better than they were last year. And the drama and the excitement of it, I think, is just going to add fuel to the fire and say, well, we've made a move. We've got something that we have to kind of prove now. We have to prove that we're the hot team. We're not just doing this for the fun of it. And I think they have to embrace the kind of Vegas vibes of, all right, there's another team in town and they're pretty damn good. Let's see if we can actually bring that to the football and we can take this Las Vegas moniker and actually do really well with it. I don't know about Super Bowls and I don't know about winning the division right now, but I genuinely believe that with a good draft and Derek Carr continuing in the same direction where he was or Mariota stepping up and having a good season, they really would be a contender to make the playoffs in that second spot in the division. For me, I think it's a case of this team is it's good. It's much better. It's not going to be this year though. I think with, I think it's going to be better this year. Like I said, I think that the the foundations have been laid. The the Corey yeah. Littons, the um, you know the the Clayton Ferrells, the 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 foundations are there now. So yeah. this year, this draft's important to keep adding to to add that receiver, to add that that depth um in the in the defensive secondary. But it's not this year, I don't think. But next year, because not yeah, only not only is this team going to be much better, there's going to be a chance to upgrade the O-line in a year's time um, and sort of go a bit deeper into the needs. Uh, but also, Kansas aren't going to be able to afford half of their players next year um, mm-hmm. with, with, with uh, Mahomes. So the division's going to become a little bit easier, um, potentially. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's not this year. I ain't touching nothing to do with the betting with the Raiders this year. I'm happy to watch them. I'm happy to watch them progress. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be... It's going to be freaking brilliant to watch them in Las Vegas. Um, sure. But it's, it's next year for me. I like that. I think that the angle that you're coming from with that, it's like when you have these stories of like rebuilds, it's almost like the Raiders didn't realize last year what they were doing. Like the players on the field were putting in everything they could. They even genuinely nearly made it. And then now with a bit of perspective, they can go, well, hang on a minute. If we add a really good couple of new additions, like, for example, last year, Max Crosby, 
no one thought that Max Crosby was going to be the best defensive lineman on the team. Mm-hmm. But he absolutely amazed me with how, not only how hard he worked and like his, his growth and effort over the year, but his actual production was genuinely really solid. So with people like that in the team, who you get for next to nothing, I am really excited about Mike Mayock kind of getting the, the experience of drafting more than just that one year. Because like, I'm not being funny, if he can find Max Crosby, maybe this year he'll find someone else. Maybe mm-hmm. the year after that. So we talk about the studs and the guys that we know we're going to be looking at. Obviously, if you draft CD Lamb, you're going to expect big things. But what I'm looking for, and this links perfectly into you looking to the year after and the year after that and kind of the future of the team, as Mike Mayock starts to build up this repertoire of little cheeky picks in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, you're going to start to build up depth beyond the picks you actually expect. Jacobs is a home run. Abram, I think, is going to be absolutely fantastic. And then the two picks in the first round this year, they should go for similar players where you know that they've got some serious talent with even more upside. And then, like you say, over time, you're going to just grow and grow and grow. And I think that the reason I'm so excited about that is because Mike Mayock's already shown his ability to find a couple of gems in the, uh, in the later rounds, and that's going to just get better and better as the years go on. So like you say, maybe don't be betting all your, all your money on the Raiders this year, but I think that there's a chance they make the playoffs at least by getting into that conversation for sure. And then the year after that, if you're talking about three years of Mike Mayock, now you've got some serious opportunities for him to find some gems. And Gruden's offense has so much potential when run correctly. I think that you're exactly right. And in a year or two, when the Chiefs starts to get a little bit shaky, and I think the Broncos and Chargers are kind of middle of the road in terms of they could literally win the division or they could lose it. There's so much variance on those teams over the next few years. And I think you're exactly right that down the line, the Raiders are going to be very, very exciting to watch. I love the passion that's coming through, Tardy. You can tell you're excited for the new season kicking off. They are, like I said, right at the outset, one of the more intriguing teams to keep an eye on um, for a variety of different reasons. And, and potentially we will look back at that 10-year contract that was handed out to John Gruden that raised more than a few eyebrows yeah. and actually think, Do you know what, that was a shrewd bit of business. Who knows? Yep. We will wait and see. I agree. Right then, Tyler, where can Raiders fans find you on the social media to interact with you, buddy? Yeah, so uh, my Twitter is at TylerArthur69. As you can tell, I made it when I was 14, but we're sticking with it. We're going strong. <laughs> I, uh, I write plenty of articles. I'll either be writing about the draft, the Raiders, or fantasy football. So if you guys want to give me a follower, I'll, I'll surely be tweeting something about CD Lamb or any type of thing that I've mentioned today. I'll be talking about it. So uh, I appreciate you letting me come on, guys. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, thanks you guys for, uh, for having me. No, absolute pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Like I say, it's good to get the passion across from a genuine fan. Obviously, Raiders fans, go and follow Tyler on Twitter. I thought he was 51 years old when I saw his Twitter username. That's how naive I am. Uh, Obviously, you can get in touch with us at Full 10 Yards on Twitter as well. Leave us some messages. And let's get interacting about, like I say, one of the intriguing teams in the AFC West. Tyler, thanks for joining us this evening, mate. You look after yourself and take care, buddy. Thank you, and thanks again. Cheers. Cheers, mate. There we go then, mate. Another division down. We're halfway yep. through our series. It's flying by. Um, I know. Intriguing division, mate, the AFC West. Obviously, the Chiefs are in yeah. there, and, and as we've said throughout, they're obviously starting as, as firm favourites. But I think there's three mm. potential teams in here that you know could easily you know make an argument that they could all be in playoff contention 
uh, you know, come uh, the business end of the season. Yeah, like, I mean, like I said to Tyler, I'm excited to see the 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 Las Vegas Raiders in, in over the next couple of years, and I, I certainly think this is a division in in 2021 where you're going to be we're having this conversation in 12 months' time, going to be saying who's going to be winning that West division because Kansas City have progressed, Denver looked good last year. Uh, the Chargers have replaced Philip Rivers with X, and he looks good. And and the Raiders have got have built this foundation where they're starting to look good. I think this time in in twelve months' time, we're going to have a real head scratch on our hands. I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Really, really intriguing stuff. Um, we did this. Um, I don't know if we've done it on all of the pods so far, mate, but we certainly did it on the last one that recorded. So I'll answer, I'll ask you the question again in terms of order of finish. I'll start us mm. off to give you a minute to have a think about it. I'm obviously going to go with the Chiefs to finish first. I don't think that's any surprise. I'm actually really encouraged by the Broncos. I think another year under Vic Fangio, and I think that could prove quite get quite fruitful get my teeth in so I'm going to go for the Broncos second and the Chargers potentially will come third I'm just a little bit concerned about probably a rookie quarterback and I do think that we've probably got the the Raiders as the outsiders at the minute but I wouldn't be surprised if that was completely flipped on its head I think it's a real nip and tuck division yeah, this is a lot harder than what we had with the. Uh, I think it was the East did last time, didn't we? Uh, yeah, I think I, I, I'm going to go with you. I think um, the Chargers and the Broncos, though, they're they're at this year they're very very tight. I could, I could quite happily flip them. Um, and I just think the, I just think the Raiders need an extra year. I think they need to figure out whether it's going to be Derek Carr, whether they're going to try Mario, whether like I said, I did mention. Deshaun Kaiser I do like him genuinely I, I know I'm biased because I'm a Notre Dame fan That's, that was his college but he's, he's, a, he's a talent genuine so um, it'll be interesting to see who they go with uh, going forward with the quarterback but yeah it's it's wide wide open yeah Deshaun Kaiser is interesting because he was obviously ruined by the Browns as we've ruined many a quarterback but uh, <laughs> obviously John Gruden was a big fan of him coming out of college so if anyone can get a tune out of him maybe it will be him mm. Right then, buddy. We will return, of course, with the NFC at some point. Um, yeah. Appreciate your help and support throughout the podcast, mate. Been a pleasure, as always. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, be in touch. And, of course, we wouldn't finish a podcast without the immortal words of Kevin Cadle and say, bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.